Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by guest speaker Stephen Ivey. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. Today we're talking about uh, a setup. How many of you have been enjoying the series that's been going on so far? I'm just hopping into the middle of it to give my little piece, my little nugget for it. It's a setup. Your life has been set up by God, and today's message is all about how God uses our lives in different ways to set us up for what he has for us. I do firmly believe that each and every one of us has a plan for, from God for our lives. Every last one of us have a plan from God for our lives, and it's important that we know how the way our lives plan, pans out, how it plays out, is ordained of God. Every part of it is ordained of God. So I'm excited to deliver this to you because I believe it's going to help someone in this place today. Um, The whole idea of a setup, this idea that life sometimes can throw you things that you just didn't see coming. Anybody have ever had a curveball thrown at you before that you just didn't see coming? Something that happened in your life that was just like, hey, this shook me in a way that I did not expect. All of us have been there. We've had those kinds of things happen. And how many of you know when that happens, sometimes it's hard to know how to handle them. It's like, I didn't really expect this. Maybe I've never experienced this before. And that sometimes leaves us in a helpless place. We're just like, God, this is new for me. I haven't ventured this way before. It's just like being tripped up in certain ways. I've been tripped before, falling down in front of everybody, looking around to see who watched and who looked. But how many of you know it's not fun tripping, but sometimes it'll make you more aware. It's nothing like falling to make you more aware the next time. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to let that trip me up anymore. And I believe very strongly that God wants to do that by just shining his truth, shining his light of truth. The way my pastor says it is sometimes there's some things you can either trip over or skip over. There's some things you can trip over or skip over. That's the way my pastor puts it. And sometimes when the Lord comes into your life, he shines his light of truth and you can see every obstacle in your way. You can see everything that's coming so that you won't trip over those things and you begin to skip over things. How many of y'all want to step in that kind of anointing for your life where you can skip over some stuff? Like, God, I can just not deal with that right there. We can just skip on and get to the good part. God can do that. God wants to do that to your life. But sometimes it's not always like that. Sometimes the reality is there are some things that just unexpectedly happen in our lives. My point to you this morning is that even those things that we didn't see coming is a setup from God. There is no part, no piece to your puzzle he didn't already pre-plan and ordain. He knows every single part of your individual story. Every single part of your life has already been planned out and he's planned it for your victory. Do you believe that? I believe that for you even now. So the question that that I proposed to myself even as I was coming through to plan this message was, What happens in these moments when God actually allows us to walk through battles? What do do we do? How do we respond to that? And we find ourselves in John chapter 11 to look at the story of Lazarus. Who's heard this story about Lazarus? We're looking at the life of Lazarus this morning and even more importantly, his death. The Bible says this in John 11. This is the New Living Translation. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. Touch somebody say, I'm God's favorite. (laughs) Come on, touch the second person like your lesser choice and tell them I'm God's favorite. Now, listen, if y'all preach back to me and, and, and respond to me, this is going to go really well today. I'm, I'm one of those expressive preachers. We got two Stevens in the room this morning, but we're a little different. I've got better hair. 
I got better hair. Come on. But yes, it's going to go really well. So y'all talk back to me. I love that. All right. Jesus, here's the news of Lazarus's sickness. Jesus, though, however, was not surprised by the chaos. Who felt like, who's ever felt like they've gone through chaos in your life? You've gone through trial, tribulation, chaos. Things are just crazy in my life. I want you to know God has never been surprised by it. You've been surprised by it. It took you off guard. God has never been surprised by it. There's never been one moment, one thing, one second of your life he didn't already know was going to happen. That thing that tripped you up did not trip him up. We should all find solace today in the fact that we serve an all-knowing God. In the fact that we serve a God who literally has seen the end from the beginning. The Bible calls him the Alpha and the Omega. He's able to see the beginning from the end. And watch it play out. He created it that way. It did not take him by surprise. Some of you may have some sick areas of your life, sick things in your life that you feel like this isn't working like I think it should work. God's not shocked by that. God wasn't shocked by Lazarus' sickness either. All I've ever wanted to do in my life personally is just be in ministry. I've always wanted to be in ministry. I've done it from the time I was seven years old with headphones on, recording my dad's messages on cassette tape. I loved it. It was great. How many of y'all remember cassettes? I don't know if these guys remember cassette tapes. It was beautiful times in the kingdom. <laughs> beautiful times. Recording the radio. I used to do that, man. I loved it. It was great. Creating the catalog for my dad's cassettes and his sermons, and it was awesome. All right? And so I've been always in ministry. Ministry has allowed me to be able to do a lot of things, see a lot of different people. Started out in West Monroe, Louisiana. I was at a very vibrant church out there. We helped a youth group grow from literally 12 kids to over 300 kids. I was serving out there, a part of that ministry. We saw phenomenal things happen. But how many of you know sometimes, even in those moments, even in church, things don't go the way you think they should go? Sometimes there's a, an unexpected situation that just happens to come up. For me, that was an experience that I had. And y'all know the times right now are kind of like racially charged. And I experienced that in the church I was in. Believe it or not, I was literally at that church. I was serving. I was doing all kinds of things. I was there about four and a half years. I helped the youth pastor build the ministry. I was playing the saxophone. I was leading worship. I was doing everything. All right? Walk out to my car after a service one day. Get to my car. There's a note on my car. The note is a message literally addressed from the KKK. They told me that they didn't want me there. They didn't believe I belonged there. Me and my twin brother. Hey, you guys, we don't, we don't want you here. We don't like you here. You're just here for this, this, this. And they just went down the list. Literally broke my heart. Took the letter to my pastor. Pastor, you see this? It's crazy. It's on my car. Nothing happened. He did nothing about it. It was just like, and I felt like that season in my life ended at that moment. The, this is also the place, you, mind you, <laughs> where the Lord gave me the call to preach. That's the place where, like, the Lord said, this is on your life, son. I want to use you in this way. And now I'm experiencing something at a place that I love that's unexpected. It, it was not supposed to go this way there. Huh? And, and, and it, it blew my mind. In, in, in church of all places. As if God didn't so love the world. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. So it, it allowed me to be able to experience something very hard in a place that I thought was safe. And it changed it, it, the enemy really tried to change my perspective on who I thought God was and who I thought church people were. It almost ruined my destiny. But somebody say this. Say, God, God knows, everything. knows everything. 
I love that about him. He's not forgotten you. He's not surprised by the situation. Because of that situation, it caused me to move out of that place. I moved into another church that was awesome. It was amazing. God healed me there. God restored me there. God brought that deliverance to me so I didn't think the way I was thinking there. It was an awesome transition in my life after that moment. So God brought life from a dead place. I also, when I was there, now God's saying, guess what? I'm going to take your life up a level, Stephen. I'm going to have you walk into full-time ministry. I said, really? Well, where are we going to do that at? He opened a door in Orlando, Florida, and that's how I got there to do full-time ministry. I was with a pastor named Clint Brown. It was awesome. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Clint Brown, worship pastor. Awesome time. I had an incredible season there. But listen, guess what? After a couple years, even that kind of wavered. Even that kind of, there was some swift transitions that happened there that was completely unexpected. Next thing I know, I'm like, this is the reason I moved to Florida. I'm two states over in a place I'm unfamiliar with after two and a half years, and now I'm not at the place I was planted at. That can be scary. That can be like completely scary. That was the first time I've ever lived out of the state. I'm from Monroe, Louisiana. So, I mean, it was completely foreign for me to be able to have to move all the way over there. It was crazy. I get over there. I'm there for two and a half years. But then they say, you know what? Guess what? We want you to go help another pastor in South Florida who's building a church. We would love for you to be a part of that ministry. We're going to, uh, you know, create a position for you. It's going to be great. I said, okay. I prayed about it. God said, yes. I went down there. I helped serve there for two and a half years. Another transition happens. The church just dissolves out of seemingly nowhere. <laughs> like literally, oh, yeah, guys, you know what? We just decided we're done. Like, are you kidding? Are you kidding me? I'm looking at God like you have got to be kidding me. How many of you know unexpected things can happen? But it's because of even that moment that caused me to move back to Orlando, Florida. And now I'm with Pastor Todd Trivet at literally the greatest ministerial opportunity I've ever had in my life. Literally the greatest platform I've ever experienced in my life was the result of unexpected twists and turns in my life. Had I not been submissive and faithful to the word of God in my life, I would not be where I currently am. God's not forgotten the plan. There's a plan. There's a puzzle. There is a a, a direction, a directive, if you will, that he's already created for your life. Each and every one of you have it. And it doesn't matter what twist and turn you experience in your life or how sudden or how obnoxious or frustrating or whatever it feels God's still involved with every part of it and it's because of those situations that I stand where I am right now being able to to do the type of ministry that I'm doing on the level that I'm doing it at at this particular season in my life and I couldn't thank God for it more now after having gone through it can I get an amen in the heezy love y'all gotta forgive me that's the way I talk so I talk, can y'all roll with me how I present the word today? Is that all right? I say things like heezy instead of house. It's cool. It's cool. All right. So that's, 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 that's how my life has gone. That's a little bit of my testimony and how God has kind of shifted me into the places uh, that I've been at. And I, you, you, that, that, those seasons are hard because you question yourself. You question your gift. You question your anointing. You lose trust in people. All kinds of things happen whenever unexpected storms come. But how many of you know God has a plan for that? Verse 4 says this, and I love this about God. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened, listen, for the glory of God. Y'all see that? 
It happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. How many of you know that maybe the reason you're going through what you're going through is that so God can get ultimately glorified from it? Literally, Mary and Martha are losing it. They are wigging out. They don't know what's going on. They're like, why is this happening? A sudden sickness comes upon my brother. He's at the point of death. I'm asking Jesus to come. And Jesus is able to immediately speak life into the situation and say, his sickness will not end in death. His sickness will not end in death. No, but this will be for the glory of God. Every single storm you've ever gone through in your life is to give God glory. You need to, matter of fact, be looking for the window through which the glory is going to come through. Because it's coming. Every time I go through a trial now, I'm like, okay, cool. What way you want to get it done now, God? Because it's coming. Glory is going to come from every situation if you keep your perspective right. If you keep your perspective right, because it's easy to get into our emotions and our flesh and be just like Mary and Martha and be like, yo, you got to come now. We get really, really excited about God. I need you here now. But God has different plans for us sometimes. I believe that God sometimes allows us to go through these things so that we could see he set our lives up for victory. Verse five says this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, I'm going to say that again. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So here I am screaming out, Jesus, I need you now. And Jesus is like, I heard that. See you in two days. <laughs> I don't know about y'all, but that don't seem right. It messes me up. I'm like, are you, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. You're supposed to be like, he's an on time God, Jesus. And, 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 and now, <laughs> y'all like the old school, right? That's where I come from. That's my roots. That's my roots. You're supposed to be on time God, Jesus. And now you're two days later, Jesus. I don't need that Jesus right now. I need the on time God, Jesus. That's who I need right now. But what ends up happening is God sometimes has a different timetable than the one we have. And listen, it says he did it because he loved them. He did it because he loved. He said, I loved you. I'll be there in two days. What could it be that God is allowing you to rest in the storm for a moment so that he can get greater glory for it? Could it be that the reason you're in the storm even right now, and I love this about the word of God, is so that God can see what your reaction is in the storm. Who are you when the storm comes? Because I can tell a lot about you by what you do in the storm. Hello. I can tell a lot about who you are by what you do in the storm. You are who you are in the storm. Who you really are is who you are in the storm. Matter of fact, the first thing you grab tells me a lot about who you are, what your instinct is. What's your go-to in a storm? What is your go-to in a storm? What's the first thing out of your mouth when you stub your toe? That'll tell me a whole lot about who you are. What's the first thing out of your mouth when somebody cuts you off in traffic? Woo! My God, Orlando, I for traffic. Disney World makes me want to cuss. <laughs> but you are who you are <laughs> in the storm. Y'all like Mickey. I know, I know. Mickey makes me want to cuss. So, <laughs> so 
So, so you have to understand that God allows you to go through certain situations because he wants to see who you are. Who have you been developed to be? If you're a parent in this room, you know. You can't just allow your kids to be saved every time they go through something. Sometimes you leave them in the test just to see how they'll respond. Are you going to do what I taught you to do? Huh? Are you going to say what I taught you to say? Are you going to respond the way I've taught you to respond? It's not that God has left you. He's loving you. God hasn't left you. He's loving you. That's one of the ways he loves you. Sometimes, and listen, this is what I love about it. The Bible still says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He hasn't left you. He's just watching you. Okay. All right. Okay, let's see if my son does what I've taught him to do. Let's see if my daughter can respond the way I've taught them to respond. I love this because sometimes God, see, we're responsible. God's like giving us a responsibility. Sometimes God wants to know your response ability. Somebody knows, sometimes God wants to know, are you able to respond appropriately? Are you response able? Huh? Maybe that's why we go through storms sometimes. Is that good? I love that about the Lord. I love that about the Lord. This is getting good and I'm getting excited. I know what I'm about to say. Y'all don't know what I'm about to say yet, but I know and it's getting me excited. So skipping down to verse 11, he says this, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. (laughs) And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there for now. You will really believe. Come, let's go see him. I love Jesus so much. Oh, my goodness. This is why you should never feel bad about not knowing the Bible the way you think you should know it sometimes. Because the disciples were standing there with Jesus and were still totally confused all the time. He's like, Lazarus dead. All right. He dead. He dead. He dead. He didn't make it. All right. Lazarus is dead. Let's go wake him up. So you should never feel bad about that. You should never feel bad about that. But I love Jesus so much because this is what he's saying. I believe that with this story, how could Jesus profess in one, in one statement, this sickness will not end in death, and then proclaim a couple verses later that Lazarus has just died? Huh? How could, like Jesus, you confuse me because you just said, this won't end in death. And now you're talking about Lazarus died. That don't make sense to me. You're going to have to help me out here. All right. But with Jesus, how many of you know this, that with God, things are not dead. They're dormant. With God, things are never dead. They're dormant. They're always dormant. I use Lazarus in this particular story because I believe like God is trying to show someone in this room today. I could have used anybody to talk about a setup, to be honest. I could have used I could have used Joseph. Joseph went through everything you can possibly imagine and ended up in the palace. I could have used him. I could have used Moses. I could have used anybody to talk about a setup. But I believe God had me use Lazarus here at the house today because somebody in this room has had something die. You've had something, a dream, a vision, a a, a venture, maybe someone. It could be anything. It could be anything in your life that you was holding on tight to. And you said, God, this is what you've given me. And that thing died. And God is saying, guess what? (laughs) Today at the house, I came and had you sit in this room so that a man of God could tell you, guess what? It's not dead. It's dormant. 
It's not dead. It's dormant. God still has a plan for what he gave you. Verse 17 says this. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave four days. Somebody say four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. This made me laugh because they asked for Jesus to come, but all the people from the city are coming. <laughs> Have you ever needed a miracle and everything except the miracle came? <laughs> like everybody else came to the party except the one who needs to be at the party. I need the right now, Jesus. I need you right now. And he's still not there. And so then the Bible says this. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, this is Martha. When Martha got the word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you only had been there, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. You see that how Mary stayed in the house. Martha goes out, talks to Jesus and says, Jesus, listen, if you had been here sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. And Mary's like, Oh, yeah, he's here. I don't even want to talk to him. I'm staying in the house. Anybody ever been so distraught, so just depleted that you didn't even feel like getting out of the bed? He's like, you know what? That situation is so gone. It's so dead. I have no energy left for it. I believe Mary was bitter in this moment. Mary doesn't even have the energy to get out the house. She's like, Mary, just go. I'm here. I'm cool. I'm good. I don't have to worry about, no, no, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead, he's dead, I don't, there's nothing left in me. Some of you have had something become dead so long in your life that it seems like I don't even have the energy to even think about this anymore, even when help is on the way. Martha goes out there and says, Jesus, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. And guess what? She was right. She was right. I believe, because the Bible says Jesus loved Lazarus. I believe if Jesus had been there, he probably would have healed him. To be honest, he stuck around and stuck back. Why? So that he could create an opportunity for the glory of God to be revealed in their lives. And they didn't even know it. This blesses me so much. And I'm going to tell you why. It blesses me because the Lord told me like this. He says, when you're completely depleted, my strength is completely completed. When you're completely depleted, my strength is completely completed. I can say that because the Bible says that in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. In your weakness, the hard times, the storms, when you feel the least adequate, he says my strength is made perfect. When you're completely depleted, no energy left, I don't even want to leave the house. God says that's when I rise. And my strength is made perfect. I want to encourage somebody in this room. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Woo! I feel it now. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what the situation has been. God says my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When you have no control. <laughs> I've asked God for this. God, would you give me the ability to be more comfortable in situations that I don't see the answer to? Than the, than the times where I know everything that's going on. Make me more comfortable when I see nothing than when I see everything. Some of you need to be praying that prayer. God, guess what? I'm in a season right now where I can't see the next move. I can't see the next step. Make me more comfortable now than I do when I have it all planned out. 
Why is that encouraging? Why is that good news? I'll tell you why that's good news. Because you can fail. But he can't. I'd rather trust my life in his hands than in my own. That's why that's good news. I'd rather trust it in the hands of someone who is perfect and cannot fail and has all power than in my hands that are flawed and frail and can fail. Amen. So we look at the story here. Verse 23. Woo, we're running through this. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. That is good news. She should have had all the hope in the world right there. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. Jesus had to tell her, no, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Verse 27 says, yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you are the Messiah, the son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. I came to tell somebody this morning that your dream is going to rise again. It is going to rise again. I don't know what died in your life. I don't know what area that you feel like is already six feet under and it can't come back from where it is. But I'm telling you, your dream will rise again. Jesus told him, he said, guess what? Your brother's going to rise again. And that's a word for someone in this room. Your dream will rise again. Verse 32, we're hopping down. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Now, we just heard that, right? Martha went out there and said, Jesus, you've been here. My brother wouldn't have died. Now Mary's out there. She finally got out the house. And she says, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. He told them, they, they told them, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he have just kept Lazarus from dying in the first place? Anybody ever asked that question? God, if you so God, why couldn't you have just kept this from dying in the first place? I, can I submit something to you? It had to die. It, 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 it had to die. Because see, had it not died, you would have thought, if it comes back, it's your own merit, your own power, your own ability, my degree, my education. You would have thought whatever it was was your ability. But it had to get to a place where you have no control over the result for him to be able to get the glory he deserves because he doesn't share it. He will not share it. God is not interested in sharing his glory with anybody. Ever. And so now he has to bring a situation to your life at the point of death where you have no control. Wow. Now he has all the glory for whatever happens from that point on. I love that about it had to die. Lazarus had to die. There's no other way he would have got the glory he should have deserved from it. Woo, that's so good. Notice this, though. Mary and Martha said the same thing. Martha runs out. Jesus, if you've been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He would still be here. Mary runs out. Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would have, wouldn't have died. But then the Bible says Jesus had a response after Mary's response. That struck me so weird. They both said the same thing but got different responses from Jesus. Jesus looks at Mary and the Bible says he was deeply troubled. Deeply troubled. He, he got angry on the inside. 
I believe that the reason why Jesus responded to Mary differently than he responded to Martha is because Mary was the same Mary who washed his feet. This was the same Mary who poured everything she had at the feet of Jesus and worshiped him with literally a year's worth of savings. I don't know who else would throw down a year's salary on the line for Jesus, but she did. She threw it down on the floor and worshiped him. And when she said, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. He got angry inside and he, he began to be emotional. The Bible says he wept. Could it be that the reason why he responded differently is because he was connected to Mary's worship? I'm telling you, there's some things in your life you're only going to get through through worship. Worship gets God's attention. Worship gets God's attention. As a matter of fact, I know that because the Bible says he is inhabited on the praises of his people. You want to get God to move or you want to get God in your proximity? Start worship. And listen, guess what? It's not just a song either. I think a lot of people get this confused, and I learn this a lot from my pastor all the time. Worship is not a fast and slow song. Worship is a posture of your heart. Every time I want to cuss out people going to Disney, and I don't, that's worship. You exercised worship right then. Anytime you submit your will to the will of God, that's worship. That's what we, and we do that every single day. It translates beyond just when I come to the house, to the house and check everything out. Okay, we work. No, no, you worship as soon as you get in that car. (laughs) You worship as soon as you get in that car, as soon as you go to that gas station, as soon as you go to that job, wherever you're at, that's worship. You're representing God. I love this right here because it lets me know three things, that God responds to three things in our life. You can write these down really quick if you want to. He responds to worship. I just told you he inhabits the praises of his people. He responds to his word. The Bible says he hastens to his word to perform it. God doesn't run to your problems. He runs to his word. I'm going to say that again because that was good in my soul. God does not respond to your problems. He runs to the word. He hastens to his word to perform it. So you want to stay consistent in the times of storm? Speak the word. The only way you're going to be stable in times of transition, it's a setup for your life. The only time you're going to be stable, stand on the word of God. Stand on the word of God that never changes. Stand on the word of God that is constantly chasing after you with every, it does not change. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. The third thing God responds to is faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So faith and word are connected. The more you hear the word, the more your faith grows. you got to feed your faith. Stop. Listen, I'm going to say this right now. When you're going through storms and tests, this is the Holy Spirit. When you're going through trials, storms, and tests, stop talking to people who don't know the word. Stop talking to people who don't know the word. Why would you want that type of negativity in your life? Why would you want that type of inconsistency in your life? Go talk to somebody who knows the word of God and can tell you, you are the righteousness of God. You're more than a conqueror. Why wouldn't you want to go talk to somebody like that? When you're in times of trials and and, and, and tribulation and storms and testing and all that, go to somebody who knows the word of God. Or go to the word yourself. (laughs) Get in it and see what God says about your situation. Amen. Amen. We're getting ready to bring this thing in for a landing. I love it. 
38, verse 38. Jesus was still angry. He arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across this entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you you would see the glo- God's glory if you believed? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I say it out loud for the sake of these people standing around here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. In a moment, (laughs) everything that was dead came out. I love this so much because it lets us know a little bit of the historical background of this moment. Notice that the scripture said twice that Lazarus was dead four days. Four days Lazarus is in the grave. All right. The Bible says this. When the Bible doesn't say this, this is historical context. The historical context is this. It is commonly known in Jewish culture that this is not the Bible, but it's known in common culture that the spirit stays with the body three days after it's dead. That's what they think in Jewish culture. It's a commonly known thought. But Lazarus was in the tomb four days, which means that to them, he's dead dead. Like, good and dead. Like, if anything could happen, it ain't happening now. I don't know who's had that type of situation in your life where you're like, this is not dead, it's extra dead. But guess what? Jesus shows up on the scene and says, to show my power and to see the glory of God revealed in this moment, I'm going to resurrect something that is beyond all realm of possibility. He says, even on the fourth day, I'll bring someone back to life. That showed them this really is God. This isn't anybody else. This is the most high. (laughs) Not just a higher, but this is the most high. The almighty one. Your situation is not beyond recovery. I don't know how long it's been dead. And I know the Lord gave me this message for someone in this room. I don't know how long it's been dead. I don't know what it was that died. I do know this. We serve a God that is able to call dead things back to life. We serve a God who just like the prophet Ezekiel looked at a valley of dry bones and said, God, we're going to breathe into these bones. They're going to come back to life. And a whole army arose, the Bible says. God can bring dead things back to life. I'm believing that for your life, and I'm believing that for your situation. Everyone standing on your feet. I, I want to close with this one scripture that the Lord gave me. With God, I'm down, but I'm not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. This is so encouraging, y'all. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing the great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not ourselves. Verse 8 says, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. That is a word for someone in this room. You've been cast down, but you're not destroyed. You felt pressure. That's what pressed on every pressure. 
Anybody ever felt pressure on every side before? Seems like if it wasn't one thing, it was another thing. God says you're pressed on every side, but I have never left you. Never left you. You're struck down, but you are not destroyed. This message today spoke to me before it spoke to anyone else because I know the transitions I've been through in my life. I know the things that God's brought me through. (laughs) I know the stuff that I was like, God, if you don't do this, I ain't going to make it. I remember when I first transitioned back up from South Florida to Orlando, where God began to open all these doors for me. Before I, I was positioned to the place I'm at now, literally when I left the church I was at after it dissolved out of completely nowhere, I started to get call after call after call after call. Like literally seven or eight churches called me like, hey, we heard you freed up. What are you doing? What's going on? I couldn't get a release for any one of them. But let me tell you why that's troubling. That's troubling because that's what I do for a living. Huh? Brother got to eat. So I was like, hey, God, why can't I get a release for any of this? Like all these places are calling me and I don't feel your peace in any of these areas. How many of you know it took... (laughs) Some great faith to say no to areas that I know could be beneficial to me. It took some faith to say, okay, God, I'm not going to move until you say yes. I'm not going to move till you say yes. Last thing I wanted to do was go back into the corporate world doing anything because I've done that. That was great. It was cool. But I just know God's put me in a different season. But to say no to things that I know God's put in my heart was like, yeah, so frustrating. The only thing that kept me through that season was the word of God. The only thing that kept me through that season, man, God was setting me up. He was setting me up and I had to realize it's a setup. This is a a test. It's not always going to be like this. I'm telling someone today, it's not always going to be like this. The way it is right now, the way it's happening right now, the way it's... Looking right now, it won't always be like this. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.